I'll let me back up. I made a commitment when I became a pastor that before I would go to glory, at least Lord willing, I would preach through the entire Bible, that I would leave nothing out which God intended for His people to know and to obey. But some books of Scripture are not easy to sit down and preach all the way through. You know, we've been going through Hebrews, and that preach is pretty easy. Uh, but books like Proverbs, you have, to, uh, you have to take a little bit at a time. And so I thought that periodically what I might do is get off to the side from what we're doing on a normal basis and preach a section of Proverbs or preach a psalm and uh, help us to understand some things about the Lord uh, from some other places in Scripture. So this week we're taking a, a one-week detour uh, from Hebrews uh, into the book of Proverbs chapter 1, and hear what the Lord says here in His Word. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. God, our Father, we know that Christ is the wisdom of God. And that these words that are recorded here in the Scriptures and Proverbs as the words of the wise are the words of Christ given for us to understand and know and obey and believe. And Father, we pray that today as we open the Word together that we might leave wiser than our culture and understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you look at these seven verses, they tell you several important things. They tell you, first of all, who wrote the book and where it fits in the wider context of Scripture. According to the Scripture, uh, the, the Proverbs are written by Solomon. Now, parts of it are not written by Solomon, but compiled by him, pulled into the book of Proverbs. But Solomon, according to the Scripture, was something of a Renaissance man. About, you know, about 2,500 years prior to the Renaissance, he was the original pattern for those guys. He understood art and architecture. He wrote music. He built things. He studied animals and plants. Uh, he had vast knowledge about all kinds of things in the natural world. He was the wisest man ever in the history of Israel, and no one uh, was ever like him as a king ever again. He was an amazing man uh, on the one hand, but he was also like many of the people in Scripture. You know, people talk about, well, I don't want to read the Bible because, you know, it's all those people that are kind of unrealistic. I'm like, well, clearly you've never read it. Because if you have, what you understand is, is that everyone who is lifted up in Hebrews chapter 11 as an example of great faith is also getting a very edited treatment in Hebrews 11 of their story, right? 
that this is all of their shining moments are recorded in Hebrews 11. All of their failures are recorded in the rest of the Bible, right? And Solomon was a deeply flawed individual who sinned in some amazing ways. And I'm not sure when exactly he put pen to paper and wrote Proverbs, but I like to think that he wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes toward the end of his life as he began to look back. And the Scriptures tell us that at the end of his life that Solomon repented of his former evil. And so I like to think that that he wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes as an act of repentance telling people who would follow him, specifically his sons who would follow after him, don't be stupid like the old man. <laughs> okay? In fact, learn from some things that I should have applied and known better. Uh, the second thing that these verses tell us, which is also important, is the purpose that we're given the book of Proverbs. And from them we see that the purpose of Proverbs is to teach us. And if you look at uh, verses 2 and 3, Solomon has two goals for those who read his book. Number one, that they might develop deep character. That they might be people of holiness. That they might reflect the character of God. Uh, And secondly, that they might develop correct thinking about everything in life. So his goal is not simply that they would have an understanding of how life works, which is what Proverbs does give us, is an understanding of how life works, but also that those who read it would live the right kind of life in the world as a result of what they know. In other words, that they wouldn't just listen to his words, but they would heed them. Kind of like as you're a parent, you know, you talk to your kids And you say to them, listen to me. And it's not that they are not hearing what you are propositionally saying. It is passing, you know, through their ears and over those bones and vibrating and making sound. And it's going into their brain. But they're not actually paying any attention, right? Because they're not being transformed by what you have said. And you want transformation, not just information. Amen? Right. Okay. So... Part of what Solomon is saying is that these things are meant not just as information, but to produce transformation in God's people as they read them and understand them. And so they will know, look at the, look at the verse here, that they will, get, they will understand wise dealing, in other words, how to, how to deal wisely with other people. They will learn what it means to live a righteous life. And they will understand what justice and equity look like in the context of a fallen world. And by the way, this election season, I know, November cannot come soon enough for me. Okay, and all the political ads be over, and we go back to hating each other as before, right? But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but wouldn't these be some good goals for those who would presume to be president of the United States? That they would have wisdom that they would understand righteousness, not just political advantage, but righteousness in how they conduct themselves, that they would understand how to lead with justice and fairness. I'm telling you what, if Proverbs got applied in our culture on a wide scale, we would look far different as a society, amen? 
especially if it started at the, from the top and worked its way down. That would be amazing. Justice, fairness, righteousness, wisdom. These are some of the goals of the book of Proverbs for you and me. And you will have the privilege of knowing and understanding these things and being instructed in how to live that way if you will simply read and obey the book. How about that? That's a pretty good promise. That's a whole lot better than 1995, you get a set of Ginzu knives, all right? You get wisdom, fairness, justice, righteousness in exchange for reading and obeying the Scriptures. Uh, Verse 4, he also says that in verse 4, he'll give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. The word simple here literally means something like naive or ignorant. Things that are characteristic of being a young person, right? People say, when I was young and stupid, I was young and stupid, right? You are, never so, you are never so smart as when you are at about 19, when you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof, right? You are literally, at least as a man, I don't know what it's like to be a woman, but as a man, that is how you feel, that you are invincible and nothing will stop you, right? Except that you are also an invincible in your idiocy, right? And you've got to somehow overcome that. And Proverbs says that part of the reason it's written is so that people who don't know would learn. And they would understand, and they would be able to avoid some pain and suffering. See, wisdom comes from being able to learn from someone else's stupidity, not just your own, right? All of us learn from our own stupidity, at least hopefully, but the idea is that you would be wise and you would learn from someone else's mistakes, not just yours. And you can see, hmm, that looks like a bad idea. I don't think I'll try that. That, that turns out poorly. Uh, like the end of Indiana Jones, right? He chose poorly. And you want to choose wisely and live wisely. Maybe you aren't naive and ignorant anymore. Maybe you have gained some wisdom And if that's true, then uh, verse 5 and 6 tells you that Proverbs also speak to you because maybe you are a seasoned citizen, right? And maybe you've now read Proverbs a hundred times. Maybe you've walked with Jesus longer than I have been breathing. And if so, praise God for you. Verse 5 and 6 remind us that we are not done, that we don't arrive at maturity in Christ. Amen? That you continue to grow. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. That there's more to learn and understand, even when you become an old man or an old lady who has walked with Jesus for your whole life. There's always more to know. And that brings us to verse 7, which is the key to the whole book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, if you study philosophy, what you'll find out is that the the founder of modern Western philosophy is a Frenchman, 
The guy's name is Rene Descartes. And Rene watched all of the religious wars that were taking place in his day between Protestants and Catholics and all of this killing that's happening in Central Europe. And he decides, you know what? I'm going to look for answers and I'm going to look for truth outside of the Bible. And I'm going to see if there's a way to construct a good life outside of revelation from God. And so what he did was he got himself alone and he sat in a room by himself, literally, and he, he said, well, I'm going to clear my mind of all things that, that, that I can't know for sure, and I'm going to start from there. And so he, he thought, well, I'm just going to doubt everything, and, and so then he said, well, what do I know for sure? Well, I know for sure that I am thinking about what I know for sure. And if I'm thinking that I must be here to be doing it. And so he came up with his famous line, I think, therefore I am. In other words, I think, therefore I exist. But you know what he did with that? With that philosophical conclusion that he comes to? He made himself the measure and the standard and the foundation of truth. Not God, but the individual human being then became the measure and foundation and source of truth. He was like a spider. who, You know, a spider pulls out of his own body something to live on and to function with, right? When they build their web. And that's what Rene Descartes did. He pulled out of his own body something by which he could live and build a foundation for the rest of civilization on. And for most of the last 350 years, we in the West have followed Rene Descartes. Because what we have done is we have tried to construct a way of living and a basis for truth and morality and goodness and society based solely on who? Ourselves as the measure of all things. And, and by the way, that assumption has not done real well, has it? When that idea finally came into full flower, we had an event called the 20th century. And the 20th century was the bloodiest, nastiest uh, most death-filled century in human history as literally hundreds of millions of people were slaughtered in the name of the idea that I could construct truth for myself and I could build a good society based on something other than God's revelation, based on me and based on what I want and what I'm going to do. That idea has been a disaster. And by the way, this one's not off to an auspicious start either. Amen? And so we need God to speak to us in a revelatory way about what is true and what is right and how to build a life that works. And then we need to obey Him in that instruction. Amen? And that's why Solomon says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
But fools despise wisdom and instruction. If, if you want a good example of a fool, look at everybody around you who does not know Jesus. Because they are running headlong, pursuing whatever kind of meaning and purpose and you know, pleasures and so forth they can get because they have no idea why they are here or what they're supposed to be doing. They're foolish. But if you fear the Lord, it's the key to life. And when it says fear, the idea is not terrified trembling. It isn't like, it isn't like me as a little kid, you know, when I knew I had been acting up. And I'd hear this, that distinctive sound of that engine pulling in the driveway. And I'd be like, oh no, dad is home. And justice is about to fall <laughs> because my mother has told me, wait until your father comes home right? Because she was done with us. And we were hellions. We were awful. <laughs> okay. We gave my mother gray hair. All right. And it isn't that kind of fear that, oh no, God is here. So oh, I better straighten up. Okay. It's the idea that you are open to hearing what God has to say. And to change your ways to conform to his the fear of the Lord is the surrender of your will to His will, and loving Him through obedience to His commands. The fear of the Lord is when we realize, I am not the measure of all things, but I am being measured by the one who is the measure of all things. That's the fear of the Lord. And when you have the fear of the Lord, what we have is not this sense that someone is following us around with a tedious list of do's and don'ts, but that we have an internal motivation to serve the one whom we love because he is great and awesome and worthy of our obedience and worship. Amen. That is the fear of the Lord, and that produces a wise and fulfilling life. If you understand who God is and you say, I must submit to, follow, love, and worship this person. And that leads me to a question, and then I'm done. Do you fear the Lord? Do you Fear the Lord. There is a huge difference. In fact, a nearly infinite distance between knowing what you should do and doing it. Amen? And yet I find that I am often tempted to mistake knowing what the Scripture says with being obedient to what it says. Amen? Once upon a time, I memorized Psalm chapter, I mean, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction, right? I knew that. And then I proceeded to do all kinds of stupid stuff. Sinful, rebellious. You know, what the, what the Bible refers to as sin with an upraised hand. Okay, where you shake your fist at God and say, I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to do it, daggone it. 
Okay, and God, as Psalm chapter 2 says, sits in heaven and laughs. (laughs) All right? You go right ahead, big boy. Tie that on. See how that goes. Okay? But I knew better. I had been taught better. And so the question is, do you actually fear the Lord? Do you not just know that you should fear the Lord, but do you actually follow and worship and submit to and love Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Amen? Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Father, help us not to be foolish. Help us not to be convinced so much of our own wisdom and our own intelligence and our own giftedness that we cut out a path for ourselves that does not start from a foundation that Jesus Christ is Lord and I am His servant. And that God is king in heaven, and that I am his child. Father, help us to fear the Lord, that we might live wisely. That we might, that we might treat people well with wisdom. That we might know righteousness and justice and equity in our treatment of other people. Help us to seek you day by day, that we would prove ourselves to be your wise children rather than foolish rebels against you. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name.